Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Back at the end of January, I made mention of a time-sensitive case concerning a little boy, an 11-year-old boy in Colorado who was missing. And while I normally prefer to wait until the dust settles in order to comment on these things, this was so time-urgent that I went ahead and spoke concerning it. This little boy, 11-year-old boy, Gannon Stouch, was missing, and it was the heart of winter. And the wonderful media, they failed to mention something that was of critical importance. And that is that the woman who was described as his mother, who reported him missing to authorities... Turns out she was not his mother, but rather his stepmother. Oh, minor little detail, hardly worth mentioning. Well, she has now been arrested for first-degree murder. That's not to say that his body has been found, because I have not read of that. But Letitia Stout, or however it's pronounced, was arrested on Monday in South Carolina and is being charged with suspicion of first-degree murder. A neighbor happened to have security camera footage which showed Letitia Stouch driving away from her home with Gannon in the morning and then returning hours later alone. Rather telling. But who knows what the full story is? I have no idea whether Letitia became the stepmother of Gannon as a result of divorce by Gannon's father of Gannon's mother, or what have you, being widowed, or whatever. All I know is this is a scenario that plays out over and over and over again across this nation and has for many, 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 many decades. Very frequently, it's a case of where a man happens to choose to separate from his wife, and he takes other women. And they are less than good to the children. Or a woman chooses to leave her husband, divorce her husband, and she takes in boyfriends in preference to her husband, and they are horrible to her children. Rape them, murder them, what have you. 
It's just something that plays out over and over and over again. And tragically, it has befallen this wonderful little boy. Perhaps you saw tell of this outrageous story I'm going to tell you about next. But before I get to that, let me just say this. I'm going to be getting to the Democrat primaries. Tomorrow is what is referred to as Super Tuesday. Primaries in 14 states, including extremely heavy hitter states of California and Texas. Also, caucuses in American Samoa. Also, Votes from Americans abroad. But those votes can come on in until March 10th. But I will be getting there. And I will be getting to the pandemic, named or otherwise. But first, few other items of import. The justice system so-called in this nation which owes such a great deal to the Democrat Party. It is in such large measure responsible for the horrendous injustice system that we have in this nation, for the corruption of justice. But (laughs) one case in point, Thomas Stephen Sanders was convicted of the murder of Sue Ellen Roberts and the murder of her 12-year-old daughter. And defense lawyers, they have been just grasping at straws concerning this. This fellow, he left his family. It doesn't say what that amounts to. You know, wife, children, whatever. He left his family in Mississippi back in 1987. And lo and behold, he was declared legally dead in 1994. I don't know who declared him dead. I don't know what motivated that. But he was declared dead in 1994. But along comes this man, and he manages to take this woman and her daughter on a road trip. You know, supposedly not against the mother's will. Supposedly. On a road trip to a wildlife park in Arizona. Well, the wildlife had nothing on him. No. He shot Sue Ellen Roberts. It doesn't say how many times. And then he took the 12-year-old daughter, who obviously was of more interest to him than the mother was, raped her and murdered her, shot her four times, slit her throat. But the defense team has raised all manner of objection about how dare you suggest that she was sexually abused. And they are claiming mental competency issues for Sanders. But they are most extraordinarily 
claiming that he cannot be executed because he was already declared dead back in 1994. What does that have to do with the price of eggs? What does that have to do with anything? But we have a plague of lawyers across this nation who feel perfectly entitled. It is legal, after all, completely immoral, anti-moral, but absolutely entitled and empowered to use every hook and crook, the most devious, deceitful deceptions and delusions in order to get the most monstrous, heinous destroyers off, to get them freed, to have them found not guilty or not responsible, and so forth. It is so diametrically contrary to justice. You know, (laughs) it is such a pity that our founding fathers placed so much emphasis, had so much respect for pagan heathen societies like the Roman and Greek empires. But they did. And also for the European British societies and for their jurisprudence norms, that they had preference for those things over the Bible. And lo and behold, we have this wonderful, obscene, monstrous, unjust system that states that the worst of the worst of the worst, they deserve the most sophisticated defenses using absolute fictions, dishonesty, lies, and what have you, in order to keep the guilty from being found guilty and to keep the guilty once found guilty from being punished. To keep the guilty, the worst of the guilty, once found guilty from being executed. It is a nightmare that has been brought about by the leftists, whether they happen to be mere soft-core socialists like the overwhelming majority of the Democrat Party with extreme leftist ideology and agenda, but nonetheless, not of the communist variety fully or the fascist variety fully, or whether they happen to be the more hardcore Marxists. But the nation suffers for it. And the nation will be punished for it. Along with all of the good. Along with all of the innocents. Along with all of the righteous, the godly. It is just a nightmare. But, in Chicago, another case. An outstanding police officer, Commander Paul Bauer. Outstanding, but outstandingly foolish. Brave, but outstandingly foolish. How dare I say such a thing? Well, you will find out in a couple of moments. 
But Commander Bauer, he happened to be at a location in Chicago, downtown. He was there for a meeting with Alderman. He had attended a training session earlier that day on dealing with mass murders, mass shootings. And he happened to hear a call come in on the radio about a suspect fleeing. And he happened to spot him, and he ran after him. Did he draw his service weapon? No, no. That would not have been the thing to do. No, by all means, just run after him, assuming that he's unarmed. How can you be that foolish? But anyway, he ran after him, chased him into a nearby building, chased him up the stairwell of the Thompson Center, and he attacked Attempted to arrest him. He got his handcuffs out and attempted to put the handcuffs on him. And he ends up getting in a brawl with him and tumbling down the stairwell. And this gangster thug, man of color, who just happened to be wearing body armor and carrying an illegal firearm, drew his firearm, and shot Commander Bauer seven times. Well, the defense attorneys (laughs) will have a heyday with this one. Yes. Shamari Leggett is claiming self-defense. Self-defense. Extraordinary. Commander Bauer was found laying on top of his handcuffs, showing that he had unholstered his handcuffs and was carrying them as he chased Leggett. Unbelievably, stupendously stupid and foolish and fatal. His service weapon remained secure in its holster. Well, there we have one for gun control. Great job, Commander. You got yourself murdered. Brave, good man, but what horrendous police work. Not horrendous police work, to chase the suspect. No, that was brave, that was courageous, that was commendable. And to attempt to stop him. But with a set of handcuffs? In a dark stairwell? And the one who claims self-defense, who has committed multiple (laughs) crimes... Little things like armed robbery and what have you in the past. Just happened to be wearing body armor and was armed and deadly. 
and murdered the commander and is now claiming he didn't know it was a policeman. And he was defending himself from him, even though he was fleeing from the police. But he didn't know this was a policeman. Just outstanding. And what's the worst that can happen to this destroyer? What is the absolute worst that can happen? Well, prosecutors have given indication that they will seek a life sentence for Leggett if he is convicted. Yes. Isn't that outstanding? Perhaps you recall the previous program or the program before that, me referring to a man who was serving a life sentence without possibility of parole, and he was allowed to go off-site, away from the correctional facility, on his own recognizance, unsupervised. Convicted murderer, and he took off. Life sentence without parole. This vicious thug, the worst he can get is life sentence. That away, Chicago. I wonder if there's possibly just a, you know, just a smidgen of a chance that this kind of justice has something to do with the proliferation of vicious murders. That is <laughs> the lot of Chicago. I, I wonder if there's any connection. Probably not. Meanwhile, previously, I mentioned about the Trump administration and its valiant efforts to obtain an agreement, a promise from the Taliban in Afghanistan to reduce the level of violence. And the Trump administration was so proud and just boasted of that they had secured an agreement, a promise from the Taliban to reduce the level of violence and to enter into a peace process with the Islamist regime in Afghanistan that we have put in power. And lo and behold... And this was immediately following two outstanding young 28-year-old Special Forces members, Mexican-American men, who were slaughtered by one of these insider attacks by a Taliban member on the base where these men were training Afghanis. They were slaughtered by a machine gun fire, but, oh, well, all in a good cause, you know, to bring about a reduction in violence, not an end to violence, not cessation of violence, not peace, but a reduction in violence. Well, now the Taliban gave their fighters, their destroyers, orders to resume operations against the security forces in Afghanistan. And this coming just days after they signed this deal with the Trump administration. That's just 
Just wonderful. It's just outstanding, brilliant, brilliant leadership. Really tremendous. Oh, my. But moving on. The pandemic that refuses to be labeled a pandemic. So the death toll at last count was above 3,000 worldwide. How many nations now? You know, just a couple days ago, it was 48. Now it's more than 60. More than 60 countries worldwide. Touching every continent. Touching New Zealand now. They have their first cases. It's just... And like I said, the Canary Islands. But interestingly enough, now it's being spread from Iran, not just in Iran, but from Iran. I just, I am just astounded. I mean, how many people visit Iran, you know, unless they're right there in that immediate area? But no, (laughs) far flung parts of the world. Extraordinary. So exciting developments. Hmm. New York has reported its first case. Meanwhile, Washington State, the death toll just kept going up and up. (laughs) I read of there being two who had died in Washington State. Then newsflash update, three more had died. Then another one had died. So I don't know how many, it's what the death toll is right now. I don't know. But it's six or more in Washington State. And just extraordinary. The cases are just jumping, soaring, skyrocketing in Italy, Iran, South Korea. South Korea, where an antichrist, a so-called pastor who claims to be the Messiah, his group is responsible for spreading this thing tremendously in South Korea. The Xinjiangji, just outstanding. But <laughs> in Holland, Netherlands, try to find a place that is not yet touched by this. Well, yes, there are some nations in South America that have not been touched by it yet. Some Nations in Central America, there are parts of the world where this has not touched down yet. But yet is the operative word because (laughs) in so many instances, it was thought that there was no danger. And then, whoops, all of a sudden there is. And then it's being exported from that place to other places. So that Milan, Italy has become kind of a little mini hub or epicenter. Ecuador, Brazil, Mexico. But, oh well, it's not a pandemic. It may have spanned the globe. It may have circled the earth. But it is not a pandemic. Let's not frighten people. Let's not cause them to get Upset. And, you know, what could happen? Meanwhile, healthcare workers are in very serious 
predicament. Grave danger. They are the frontline forces in trying to stop this. And they are paying a price in many places. A test that was developed by the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, just happened to be flawed. And then there were rules and regs that limited who could be tested. And that delayed the tests being conducted, which resulted in (laughs) patients developing full-blown cases and transmitting them to others, including healthcare workers. This one person in California was not tested for days. And when they finally were tested, they had already exposed many healthcare workers. And of course, California's the government is frantically trying to chase down all people that this person had contact with. But just terrible what all is going on. Really, just, (laughs) it cannot be overstated. Even if, even if this coronavirus is not the most severe of diseases, of plagues, of pestilence, it travels rapidly. And affects so many. So that even if the mortality rate is 2% or 3% or 4% or 5%, it still is having global reach now. And in addition to that, there's the little matter of what about all these patients that China has released. I'm not talking about the cruise liner passengers. I'm talking about people that have been quarantined, that have been treated, that have been released, when they are finding that some that are being given a clean bill of health, they're cured or whatever, and then they are almost immediately reinfected. Question is, were they ever free from infection in the first place? But it just further exacerbates the terrible prognosis, not for individuals, but for the world population. The first healthcare worker noted to have died was this Dr. Lee. Wen Lang, 34 years of age, he was the alarmist who tried to let people know about this terrible outbreak. 
in Wuhan, in Hubei province, China. But before this thing is over, he will by no means be alone in terms of healthcare workers. Before I go further, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is after all is said and done, and whatever is true and right and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that is on me, that is due to me, that is my fault. There was a tragedy that was man-made. So really, you should term it, we wouldn't. You should term it murder by these who were responsible for it. But there was a boat that was carrying 48 people from Turkey to Greece. And it was being followed by Turkish Coast Guard. And when it got near to land, the passengers, some of them, many of them, the adults, they purposely caused this makeshift boat to overturn. Which is standard operating procedure for them. Why would they do such a thing? Because (laughs) in order to force a rescue. Extraordinary. How does that make any sense? But to be rescued, they would have to be rescued and taken to safety. Well, 46 were unharmed. Two children were unconscious. One died. In the hospital on the infamous island Lesbos, associated with lesbians and lesbianism, this Greek island. But this, (laughs) what preceded this? The Turkish government of Erdogan, who has been waging this war to annihilate the Kurds, courtesy of, the President of the United States of America, but the Turkish government broke its 2016 agreement with the European Union that it would prevent migrants from traveling into Europe. It would prevent them from traveling to Greece and on into Europe. They broke that deal. They unleashed the multitudes of migrants. And lo and behold, the migrants, (laughs) they flooded via sea and they stampeded via land to the Turkey-Greece borders. And it has resulted in violent clashes at the borders as the Greek border guards attempt to hold them back, to hold back the hordes. 
What does that have to do with anything, really? Well, it has <laughs> it has a place in history, for one thing. It has a place in history with the Muslim hordes of the Ottoman Empire invading Greece prior to the rise of the Macedonian Grecian army under Alexander that overthrew the Persian Empire. But this, <laughs> the Ottoman Empire was just one phase. It came along, but the, the empire of the Medes and the Persians that invaded Greece and actually, you could say, incited Alexander to respond. <laughs> and he did. And he took over the empire of the Medes and the Persians. But then, as history would continue on, then, of course, there was the Ottoman Empire. And they, again, they chose to invade Europe and to try to stomp out Christianity and Western civilization. Europe has been so welcoming to Islam. And Islam has been so damaging. But now there's this little wrinkle, this additional little wrinkle of the possibility, the very strong possibility, probability of introduction of, yes, you guessed it, the coronavirus and other diseases to sweep through Europe and devastate Europe and the UK and what have you, courtesy of things such as this. Well, lo and behold, there was this event, this little event on Saturday past in South Carolina, Democrat primary. And wonder of wonders, Joe Biden, described by Jim Clyburn as a good man, a good man. Mm, yes, oh yes. Joe Obama Biden, he managed to accomplish a resounding victory, taking 48% of the vote, I believe, approximately, and Bernie Alinsky Sanders only got a little over 19%, just shy of 20%. And billionaire Tom Steyer, 11%. And Pete Sodomite Buttigieg, Edge, eleven percent or eight percent. Tom Steyer, eleven. Petey, eight. And Liz, American Indian, Warren, seven percent. Well, it was sufficiently demoralizing to Tom Steyer after he had spent a fortune in South Carolina that he withdrew from the race. Even though he came in third, he withdrew. 
And a day later, Pete Buttigieg withdrew. And a day later, Amy Klobuchar withdrew. So it really, this one primary did a number of extremely important things for Joe Obama-Biden. Is one, it gave him a whopping victory. Thanks to his outstanding turnout from black Americans, African Americans. Thanks in large part to the support from Jim Clyburn, congressman, famed congressman from there, who went to bat for Joe and is going to bat for Joe in North Carolina, which holds its primary on Super Tuesday. But it also winnowed out these other contenders, moderates, you know, moderate Democrats, reasonable Democrats. Tom Steyer, billionaire, California billionaire Tom Steyer, And Pete Sodomite Buttigieg, how moderate can you get? And Amy Klobuchar. So it not only gave Joe momentum coming out of South Carolina, gave him a goodly number of delegates from a modest-sized state. It's a small state not as small in population as it is in size, but it also removed various moderates from the field. And that is very beneficial to Joe. And he needs all the help he can get. Yes. And he is going to try to turn this into the launch pad for a relaunch for his campaign, for a reset for his campaign. Well, one of the contenders to Joe is Liz, Native American Indian, Warren. And Liz, in her home state, not where she was born, But her home state of Massachusetts, which does hold its primaries on Super Tuesday, along with the state that she was born in, Oklahoma. But they are both included on Super Tuesday. But Massachusetts, where you would think she would be very, very strong, she is perhaps not doing as well as she would like because Bernie Alinsky Sanders is purportedly polling better than she is. So we will see what happens. It should be extremely exciting. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Bernie Alinsky Sanders, man who's been in the Senate for going on 30 years, has served the state, the great state of Vermont, which prides itself on its independence, 
speaking of small states, small states, small populations in this case. But he has served in Congress. He's served this great state of Vermont and this great nation for just shy of 30 years. And he wants a promotion to president. You can understand that, surely. Well, he has been campaigning in the great state of California, the golden state. He has been campaigning there since his last campaign. You know, he has never stopped campaigning in California. How can he do that? He's a full-time United States senator. How is it possible that he began campaigning in California before the last go-round, campaigning for the Democrat nomination approximately six years ago, and he has never stopped campaigning in California. How has he managed to find the time to do that, the resources to do that? Obviously an energetic man, you know, despite his lack of youth, 78 years of age, but an energetic man. But it's just extraordinary. I mean, how can a United States senator campaign for a half dozen years on the other side of the United States of America in one of the largest states in the nation with the longest coastline, uh, the greatest variation, vast, most vast population, and extremely expensive media markets. How is that possible? You know, he <laughs> hasn't he had to run for re-election for Senate during that time? <laughs> I just 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 extraordinary, but he has been. He's been doing this for approximately six years now. He's been campaigning in California, and it's paid off. And it's been politically wise to do so. It has been, because California is such a politically important state. It's a politically destroyed state. In my view, the most spectacularly beautiful and richest of states in so many ways including climate and everything else, even though (laughs) that climate has been problematic in recent years in terms of wildfires. But it has been absolutely destroyed courtesy of the Democrat Party and illegal immigration. And Bernie, he's in good shape. He is, you know, in the catbird seat here for... Super Tuesday for California and for every other state, such as Texas, where there are large, preferably massive Mexican populations, including non-citizens, who will be permitted to vote. (laughs) Rest assured, or don't, but... Bernie will receive 
every illegal alien vote because of what he is. Marxist, socialist Marxist Bernie Sanders, who is dedicated to redistributing the wealth, which all Democrats are. He's, it's just a matter of degree here. <laughs> that he wants to take what is America and turn it upside down. He wants to impoverish the United States of America and enrich the illegal aliens in these wonderful sanctuary states that are sanctuary states filled with sanctuary cities courtesy of the Democrat Party. So you cannot blame it all on Bernie. It's the whole Democrat Party, including their moderates, their liberals, who are so generous with other people's money. But exciting. Meanwhile, Joe should do reasonably well with a large black African-American vote. Liz should do reasonably well as far as for all of those whose number one issue is induced abortion. So they should all fare well. And then there's Michael Bloomberg. Michael Dukakis Bloomberg uh, does a disservice to Michael Dukakis. Sorry, Mikey. But he's been spending a fortune on media buys. In California. And who knows? I mean, he he may do well. It's possible. But meanwhile, there has been pressure that that some have been trying to apply to billionaire Michael Bloomberg for him to drop out of the race. Michael Bloomberg could care less, couldn't care less what these others want and so forth. We're talking about, like so many others, egomaniac, narcissist, all about himself, net worth about $70 billion. Michael, as long as he thinks he has a ghost of a chance, a glimmer of a chance of winning, he's going to stay in. But unless somebody can make him an offer that he cannot refuse... Well, Biden's campaign is not as cash poor as it was a few days ago. And finally, belatedly, former Senate Majority Leader, who apparently is suffering with cancer, Harry Reid of Nevada, has now endorsed him. Instead of endorsing him back when it could have helped him for the Nevada caucuses, now he has endorsed him. So, but... (laughs) Liz Warren is doing well on fundraising. She, re- she received $29 million this last month. Bernie Sanders, $46.5 million. Amy Klobuchar had been doing well, surprisingly well, in the primaries, but she has dropped out. Immediately prior to dropping out, she felt the brunt of black protesters. You know, core voters for Joe Biden 
she was going to hold a rally at a high school. And these angry Black Lives Matters protesters, they got there ahead of her team. They took the stage and they started chanting Black Lives Matter. Klobuchar has got to go. So forth. And after 40 minutes of that, Amy canceled the rally. The next day, she withdrew from the presidential primaries. And she flew tonight to Texas to join Joe Biden in Dallas at his rally. So, fascinating. Meanwhile, Pete, Pete Sodomite Buttigieg, he has not made an endorsement. Amy has. She's endorsing Joe Biden. She's appearing with Joe Biden. She is campaigning for Joe Biden. And maybe, just maybe, positioning herself as a possibility to tap for vice president or for some other high position. But after all, she's a U.S. senator, so I would say you have to offer her something pretty high to make it of interest to her. So I really think that it would have to be the Veep spot. Otherwise, she's better off to remain U.S. senator, I would say. But fascinating all of the excitement that is going on here with these primaries. But we'll see what happens. Yes, it should be exciting. Bernie Sanders is demagoguing for the sodomite vote of Pete Buttigieg, pandering for it. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton, do you remember what I said with regard to Hillary Rodham Clinton being mentioned, being floated for her to be the veep to Joe Biden? The dream team, Joe Biden and Hillary Rodham Clinton. Two old white folks, you know, it's just exciting. But, of course, Hillary claims to have uh, some Jewish background. But anyway, a federal judge has ordered her <laughs> to, to appear <laughs> and to have a deposition concerning her Secretary of State emails and so forth. So... I don't know if you really want to include her, Joe, on the dream team. Maybe you can find somebody else of interest like Amy or Liz or something. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders, what a, what a great man he is. You know, he's been in, in Congress now for almost just shy of 30 years. He has been the lead sponsor of 422 legislative bills. Three of them became law. That's not bad. Three out of 422, except two of those three were to name post offices. So he had one bill that he has been lead sponsor, one out of 422 that became law that was not (laughs) just, you know, virtually meaningless. Just amazing. But what about his Medicare for all free Higher education. 
college, university, for everyone on the taxpayers' backs. You know, for all the illegal aliens, everything else, he has accomplished so much. But he roared into, thundered into California and uh, has outstanding crowds and so forth. Yes, it's exciting. He is attacking, attacking, attacking Biden, shockingly enough. But we will find out shortly what comes of it. Meanwhile, all the youngins who have been indoctrinated in public schools, hey, they'd vote for Marxist, communist, any day. More on that in tomorrow's program. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.